the pen that writes your life story must be held in your own hand. Irene Casorla. If you don't like the situation you're in, change it. You're in control of your own life. The purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experiences. You see, these are just a few of the millions of self-help quotes that are out there that tell us you're in full control of your life. You control your destiny. And when I, when I hear these quotes, it makes me think about Solomon. And sometimes I just wish, I wish Solomon could have a conversation with the authors of these quotes. And I imagine Solomon might say something, something like this. When he hears Irene Casorla say, the pen that writes your life story must be held in your own hands. Solomon might say something like, what about depression? What about anxiety? What about these things, stress that, that I struggle with? I, I didn't write those down. What do I do with those? I don't want to write those down. And when he hears this anonymous person say, if you don't like the situation you're in, just change it. You're in control, just change it. Solomon might say something like, well, what about the 1.75 million people in 2019 that were diagnosed with some form of cancer? Do I just go tell them to change it? What do we do with that? Or the last one, written by Eleanor Roosevelt, that says the purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experiences. Solomon might say, Eleanor, I've had the newest, I've had the richest experiences that, that one could ever imagine. They're all at my fingertips. And I, I, anything that I want, I have it. But when does it stop? Because nobody has experienced it like I have, but I'm still trying to find satisfaction. When does it stop, Eleanor? We live our lives this way, all of us. We think we have this tight grip on life, that we're in control of our destiny, we're in control of everything that happens in our life, when in all reality, we don't have any control at all. Everything that happens in our lives is a part of this season of life. Everybody goes through it with these ups and downs. And no matter how much you love a specific season or how much you might hate a specific season, it's going to keep going. Life keeps happening, right, until we take our last breath. Well, in Ecclesiastes 3, God gives us a clear message that there's one way, there's one way for us to avoid the meaningless, the frustrations, the anger that, that, that life gives us when we don't have control. And what I want to do tonight is, is spend some time in Ecclesiastes 3 and for us to understand what that one way is. And when you understand that one way, then you can attain it right now, tonight. And once you have that one way, you can experience life totally different than what you have it right now, without changing anything physically. So let's go ahead and uh, pick it up in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, for everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. Let's pause right there. 
a time to be born and a time to die. How much control over that do we have? Zero, right? Nobody has control over when they were born. And nobody's going to have control over their dying day. So that just sets us up for everything else that's about to be talked about. Continuing in verse 2, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away. A time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Verse 9, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into a man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. I perceive that there is none, nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Reading all of this makes me think of the word sovereign. Sovereign, we throw it around a lot. What is sovereign? If you look it up in the, in the dictionary, It'll say sovereign is, is a king, a ruler, authority to the utmost. That sounds nice. I like it. But I'd much rather have the biblical definition that says God is in control. God is in full control. And not just any God. The God of the Bible is in full control. It's not chaos, this life. It's not random things that happen. This life was perfectly designed to be this way, to give us the thought that, Life's not supposed to be this way. I'll repeat that. This life was perfectly designed to be this way to give us the thought that life's not supposed to be this way. God's saying, I, I know. I, I, I know life's not supposed to be this way. I got something much better for you. So what do we do with the, the phrase that it prompts of there, there just has to be a better way? Well, the first thing we need to understand is these, these 14 pairs, these 28 items that I read in verse 2 through 8, these, these, these polar opposites, these negatives, these positives, these ups and downs, they're unavoidable. And that's our first point for tonight is we need to recognize that life's ups and downs are unavoidable. Recognize that life's ups and downs are unavoidable. Every person born under the sun We'll go through these seasons, including verse 2, death. It's going to happen. So we shouldn't be so shocked and so surprised when it happens, knowing that everybody is going to go through these specific seasons. 
right? God is trying to get our attention. God is trying to get us to not look around and find out, you know, what, what can I grab onto to cope with these feelings that I'm having of, of sadness and depression and anxiety, whatever it might be. He's trying to get us to look up. Look up to see he's teaching us something. He's trying to get our attention to know that there, there's more to life than just what's happening here. Did anybody know two weeks ago it was Groundhog's Day? Anybody know that? February, of course you did, Nick. <laughs> so February 2nd was Groundhog's Day, and it made me think, like, what, what's up with these groundhogs, right? So I, I did a little studying on some groundhogs, and you'd be surprised to know, but there's a lot of parallels between us, how we live life, and groundhogs. Let me explain. So groundhogs spend majority of their life hibernating, sleeping. We spend majority of our life being busy, quote-unquote, going through the motions, making ourselves feel like we're, we're doing things and we're productive, right? Around this time of year, groundhogs come out to scope around February. They, they scope out the scene, see what's happening. When we go through these negative situations in life, we question, why is it happening? When we go through these euphoric times of life, we wish we could just grab onto it and say, I wish life could just stay this way. I wish life could always be as fun as it, as it is right now, as happy as it is right now. And we wonder why, how, how, how can we keep it to stay this way? So we scope out the scene. We ask a few questions. We're curious. But then guess what? After the groundhog scopes out the scene, he goes back to sleeping for a little bit. And guess what happens to us? After we ask a few questions of why, how things are the way they are, we go back to being busy with life. Right. And so there's these, these, these parallels between us and, and groundhogs. We also have this invincibility complex. You've all experienced this. You're driving and, and you text while you drive, right? And you see somebody that gets in a car wreck because they were texting and driving, and you say, ha, that would never happen to me. I'm good at multitasking, right? Or... Or you, 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 you drink alcohol, whatever it might be, and your friends, they get drunk and they do something that causes them pain or gets them in trouble. And you say, that would never happen to me because I'm smart when I drink. Or we, we take a look at these celebrities that we have, right? And, and we idolize these celebrities and, and we think that they can't suffer, that they can't face any pain. They don't die. But then it happens, and, and we're just appalled. We're shocked. How did that happen? I thought that person would never die. I thought that person would never face pain. I'm not saying we shouldn't mourn. I'm not saying we shouldn't feel sad about situations when they happen. But to think that people, us, celebrities, have somehow escaped these seasons of life that God has laid out that everybody's going to face, I'm just saying we shouldn't go there, guys. God is trying to get our attention. For those people that want to actually listen and not plug their ears and close their eyes and say, nope, 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 I don't want to hear it, he's trying to get our attention by these seasons of life that we go through that we're not in control of. He's trying to show us that there is a better place. This life is not supposed to be this way because we want to long for heaven. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that nobody's planning to have a bad day this week, right? It's not in the calendar. You're not like Monday, Tuesday will be good, and then Wednesday. I'm going to make Wednesday horrible, right? We all plan to have a successful day, right? Our, our daily goals, our weekly goals, our monthly goals, our yearly goals, all involve success. 
but then it doesn't always pan out that way. If we could orchestrate our lives, we would never feel any pain. But even when we don't feel pain, other people feel it. Just think about it for a moment. If you get a promotion, that means somebody else that worked just as hard, maybe even harder than you, didn't get that same promotion. If you win a game, win a contest, whatever it might be, that means somebody that worked just as hard or harder than you didn't win, so they had to suffer that pain. You might be saying, Kellen, you know what? The, 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 the pain that I'm suffering, it has nothing to do with anybody else. Maybe. You might be right. But maybe God's just trying to draw you closer to him to get your attention to understand that there's something much better that he has to offer in heaven. Instead of, instead of shaking our fist at God and always saying, you know what, why did God do this to me? I didn't deserve this. I did. God's trying to get us just to look up and understand that, that we're not in control. You're not in control. Your doctor's not in control. Your psychologist is not in control. Your mentor is not in control. Your teacher's not in control. Your parents are not in control. Your, your drugs are not in control. Right? None of them are in control. And God's just trying to let us know that there's somebody else in control, and it's him. He's in full control. It's right on track with God's planning to have these ups and downs in life that we go through. Sometimes we have these ups and downs in life, and we're, we're just, we're blinded by all the good that God is doing in our lives, and we forget about the grace and the mercy that he shows us. I mean, just, just think about today. Scratch that. Forget about today. Just think about since you've been here, the last half hour that you've been here. Your heart's beating. You have zero control over that, but it's beating, right? Your brain is functioning right now. You're hearing what I'm saying and you're processing it, you have zero control over that. Guess what? Your eyes are fixated on me right now. You have zero control over that. But we forget about that. We, we so often jump to, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to struggle? And forget about all the good that God is doing that we have zero control over. Disappointment brings us back to reality. When these things happen in our life that don't go our way, these seasons of life that we don't anticipate, it brings us back to reality and helps us understand that we are not in control, that God is in control. And it, it lets us know that God is not this genie in a bottle that we can just make a wish and he does everything that we want because it's his plan. I, I love the fact that God gives us Solomon, the wealthiest king, the wealthiest person, the most wise person to tell us this. I want you to jot down 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. It says, Behold, I now do according to your word. So Solomon asked for wisdom, and he's saying, Behold, I'll give you wisdom and a discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all, for all your days. For this very reason, God's given us Solomon, so nobody can say, well, well, there was somebody that was richer than, no, 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 no. There was nobody that was richer than Solomon. There was somebody that was smart, no, 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 no. There was nobody that was smarter and wiser than Solomon. But I know some of you are still out there saying, well, if I just had all that money, I'd be happy. It'd bring me joy. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. And it's not going to bring you that joy 
And it's not going to be different for you because there's only one way that we can have that satisfaction in our life. And we're going to get to that. Once you have that one satisfaction, everything changes for you. Let's take a look at verse 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. My two older, I can now say older now that I have three. My two older kids, uh, they love building Legos. Okay? And Bryce, my son, he, he has a very creative mind, so he likes to build these illustrious buildings and towers with his Legos. And so he'll build, 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 build. But my two-year-old, Blake, she has a different mindset. She wants to see things build down so she can, boom, smack them, just crush everything. Well, Bryce spends a lot of this time building things up, and then here comes Blake. She watches, she watches, boom, knocks it down, and it just devastates him. And he gets frustrated, and he comes, and he, he, he cries, and he whines about what his sister did. And sometimes I'll just tell him, hey, go play. And what's interesting about him, he'll start building and building again. I can see his brain just working. He sees her out of the corner of his eyes. He's building, building, building. And then as she gets ready to get closer to it, he'll say, stop, 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 stop. And then out of nowhere, Bryce will go, boom, and they'll both just laugh and knock it down. Well, see, the interesting part about that, that's like us. We have our own mindset of how we want to do things. We want to build things a certain way, right? When God has an intention for the gifts that he gives us, he has an intention for this life that we're living. And if we want to build things a certain way, then we just get devastated when it doesn't go our way. But if we align ourselves with God's will, if we align ourselves with God's intention of how this life should be lived, then we can enjoy everything. And we can experience it to the fullest. And that's our second point for tonight is we need to recognize that God has one primary intention for you. Recognize that God has one primary intention for you. Any gift in life, the giver has a purpose, right? You you, you get a job, there's work to be done. You get homework, there's, it's to build your knowledge base. If there's 10 people standing in a group and I hand out 10 pieces of candy, my guess would be you'd ask me, hey, what do you want me to do with this? And then I would give you instructions what to do with that candy. See, we, we seek out what the, the, the purpose and intention is for just about everything in, in life. But we rarely do it for the ultimate gift of life. Why? Why? Why don't we want to find that out? The answers are right here. Everything we need, all the, all the answers to life is in this manual called the Bible that God gives us. The gift giver has one intention in mind. So what is it? We were created to glorify God. If there's anything you take away from tonight, we were created to glorify God. God is our creator. He created us to glorify him. And humans, just like, just like today, way back when in Genesis, have been trying to distort this and make their own way, create their alternate attentions their entire lives. 
Turn with me to Genesis 11. Genesis 11. If you're familiar with the Bibles, you know that this is the, the Tower of Babel is what, is what we're about to turn to. And where we are in the Bible is God has just made this covenant with Noah, right? He, he brought the flood. He's, he's wiped everybody out uh, from the face of the earth besides the people that are on the flood, okay? And then he gives a command to be fruitful and multiply. But instead of multiplying, humans, the flesh, take it upon themselves to do what they want to do. Let's start in uh, verse 4, Genesis eleven four. 4. It says, then they said, come let us, hear that word, us, build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. You see, so they, they, they knew what God's intentions were, but yet they still wanted to do things their own way. And fast forward, we know what happens in this story. God confuses their languages and ends up dispersing them anyway, right? So God gets his way in the end. But then we drop down to, to chapter 12. We see that, that God calls Abram. In chapter 12, starting in verse 1, he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in, the, in, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you see that word, I, God saying, I'm in control here. I'm going to make this happen. He uses it five times. Well, that's just in the Old Testament. No, it's in the New Testament, too. We talked about it already in this series. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. So you see, this search to find our own intentions of, of life through self-satisfaction, through happiness, it's nothing new. It's been happening for the last 6,000 years. And there's 7 billion people on earth right now. So just think about that over the last the course of 6,000 years. And every self-help book, every keys to life, every, every religion that's, that's changed with the course of time, they've gone and they've passed on, right? The Bible has stayed true. From day one, it has not changed. We take a look at, at verse 9 and break it down a little bit. It says, what gain has the worker from his toil? There's that sucker punch again. We've talked about it. It's three straight chapters. So it's got to mean something, right? Solomon's saying, what's the point? What's the point of all this work and this toil? It contradicts the American dream. The American dream is you go to school, you get your education, you go out and get a high-paying job. You start a family somewhere in there. You climb your way up the corporate ladder. All right? You make a lot of money, and you retire to then what? You die, right? And some of you might be thinking, well, well I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy. Well, it sounds good. Yeah, that, that sounds good, but you won't be here to experience it. You, you don't get to just go on the sideline and, and watch from afar. You're, you're out. You don't get to experience this at all. Some of you might say, well, you know what, I want to make a lot of money. I want to be able to leave it for my kids, my grandkids, so that they can have a lot of money, right? On top of not being able to experience it, 
statistics show that people that get a lot of money, you might have some friends in this category, that get a lot of money, that win the lottery, that get something that they didn't work for, they have more issues than normal, okay? And all that that you've worked decades for, they can blow it in a matter of a year, in a matter of months. And then what? Right? It's gone. And it's not easy because the flesh keeps pulling us. It, it, it's telling us, you're going to figure it out. You keep working hard. You're going to be that one person out of the, the, the seven billion that are on earth. You're going to be that one person to figure it all out. And it's, it, we're not. We're, it's just going to cause confusion and frustration if we don't understand that God has one primary attention to glorify him. You know what's interesting? I, I, I would be willing to bet many of you have never done a deep dive study in Ecclesiastes before we got to this series. You know why? Did you ever think why? This book doesn't sell well. It doesn't, right? It's not going to be on your bestsellers book list. There's no way that you can distort a book that starts off that says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You, you can't. That's it. It is what it is. There's no twisting and turning that. This book has zero to do with this me, me, me society that we're in right now. Once we understand that God's primary intention is to glorify him, then we can just enjoy life. We don't get trapped in, if I just do this, if I just make this, if I just fill in the blank, I'll be happy. It's like when I, when I was your age, in my early 20s, I had a buddy of mine that had a dog, um, and our source of entertainment was sometimes going to play with the dog. He had a laser, and we'd shine the laser over there, and the dog would just take off and try to get the laser. Boom! And you look, and it wasn't there. And what do you know? We put the laser over here, and he's like, oh, laser! And so he'd just dart over there, and then he'd jump on top of it again. Laser's not there. And this went on for years. Years And I'm like, at some point, this dog's got to get it. And we might laugh, but that's us. The only difference is God is not playing with us. He's trying to get our attention to let us know if we chase this and don't get it, and we go chase that and don't get it, and we chase that and we don't get it, at some point, we got to say, okay, what's up? And that's where God's trying to get us. So that we can ask some questions of finding out there's got to be something better than this. The only way we can do that is if we, put, we have full trust and faith that God is in control and he knows best and that when we finally change our mindset to glorify him and focus our intentions on, on that, then we can enjoy everything that life has to offer here. Verse 10 says, I have seen the business that God gives the children of man to be busy with. A better way of phrasing that is I've seen all the business that God has given people to afflict them, to trouble them, right? In Genesis, we, man was created to work, right? And then what happened after the fall, that work, that same work, it, it caused affliction and pain and suffering. But it's part of who we are. Verse 11 says, he has made everything beautiful in his time. That's our Old Testament version of Romans 8.28, right? And, and sometimes the work that we do, it comes sooner and it catches us by surprise of, oh, I didn't, didn't know I'd be successful or something would produce that fast. Or sometimes it takes a little bit longer and it causes patience. It lets us know, again, we're not in full control. 
Second part of verse 11 says, he has put eternity into man's heart. We all long for that ultimate satisfaction. We all want to have it. And what's great about that is everybody has an opinion about eternity. And so when you think about sharing the gospel, there's nobody that you can go have a conversation with that's going to be like, uh, I, I don't know, I've never thought about the end time. They have. Everybody has, which is a blessing. If we could find satisfaction in this life, we wouldn't look for God. We wouldn't look for him at all. We, 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 we work on things in this life to, to keep us busy, and it just lets time pass by. And eventually to the point where we, we get to the last breathing times of our life and when we haven't done anything. It reminds me of my last basketball game that I played in my career. 17 years. 17 years I worked hard practicing, running, just, just, just working myself till I was exhausted. And then I had my, my last game in 2008 in late February and I lost and I was devastated. It was over. Everything that I had worked so hard for, 17 years of practicing and playing and playing games and, and, and sacrificing things that, that I wanted to do because I wanted to focus on basketball, it was just over. And it hurt me because I didn't know what to do then. But if I look back on it now, it was just a means to an end. And I wish I had that mindset back then of knowing that, yeah, I, I worked that hard, but ultimately that was just a means to an end. It was to get me somewhere else. Because if I look about, uh, back on all the joys that it brought me, it's great. But just playing basketball, thinking that that's life, that wasn't it for me. And we all long to see the big picture, right? We, we want to know from beginning to the end. We want to know there's a place there's no heartache, no pains. And that is. And, and, and let me share that with you as we get ready to get to the end. As a Christian theologian, Augustine famously said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it rests in you. God wants us to know and find rest in him. Verse 12 and 13, it's very clear that he wants us to be joyful and he wants us to, to do good and to find pleasure in him. That's God's gift to us, right? This life is, is like a, a, a freemium version of an app. Right? Most of you know freemium versions, right? You sign up for something, you don't want to, you're a little cheap, you don't want to pay for the, the premium app, so you just, you're, you just do what, whatever the free version is, right? And with the free version, you got limited access, you got commercials that you got to listen to that always seem to come on at the wrong time, and you just, you, you don't get everything out of it. Well, those, those apps are developed for a reason. They're developed for you to long for something better. They're developed for you to long for the premium access, right? And that's the same way life is. For us, this life is not going to satisfy us. Just like a free app is not, probably not going to satisfy us. It's just going to make us want the premium even more. Well, God's got that premium access, right? And to experience the premium access, we need to understand and know God's intention. And the great thing about God's premium access is, look, it, it's unlimited. It, it doesn't need to be refreshed. It never loses its premierness. Verse 14 says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be 
already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Fear. Fear in verse 14. That fear means you, you realize God's omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence, and you worship that. Why do I need to fear? Proverbs 9.10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we fear God, we begin to see see God for who he is. Somebody that has the power to save and somebody that has the power to destroy. Somebody that is alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And somebody that has a viewpoint that's just eternal. It's not just right in front of us. And we need to understand that. And it brings us to our final point tonight is we need to recognize God's eternal viewpoint. Recognize God's eternal viewpoint. God's not bound by time like you and I, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 seconds. I mean, logically, you can say, yeah, I'm still going to be up here preaching and you're going to be sitting there listening. But you don't know that. The church used to be the safest place, and it's not anymore. Things happen like that. I mean, just think about the news for for an example. They're never lacking for substance on the news. There's breaking news every single day, and that's just a fraction of what's happening. Verse 14 specifically says what God does endures forever. So he's working on a completely different plan. He's working on a forever plan while we're working on a a, a live now plan. And that's it. Even if I were to to ask one of you to babysit my, my two kids, they would probably come to you and think that having brownies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner was a great idea. That was a, that's great in their viewpoint. And I would hope you would say, no, that's not good. And some of you are, that are saying yes, you're, you're never going to babysit my kids. Don't worry about it. I, I took mental note of that. So you, I would hope you would say no. And you would say no based on your life experience. You would say no because you know it would come with some, some stomach pains, right? It, it would come with, with cavities, right? There would be all other issues other than it just tastes good. Well, that's just based on your life experience. God knows beginning to the end, and so he has this eternal viewpoint, and he's, trying, he, he, he's allowing us to know a little bit about it, right? He's allowing us to have a peek of it if we just stop and take a look. Well, well Kellen, I, I, what about those that haven't had the opportunity to see this viewpoint that God has? Well, Romans 1, 19 through 20 tells us, Paul tells us God is clearly perceived so that all are without excuse, all are without excuse. These seasons of life, that points to God, says that he's in control. Creation that we see every single day, that everybody sees, it points to God and, tell, and says that he's in control. So all are without excuse. God's put his eternal signature on every single gift that we have. But sometimes we get like kids during Christmas time, and we get a gift and we just rip it open really fast and without even seeing who is the gift from. And how do we operate that gift? And I'm just telling you today, sometimes we just need to slow down and understand that God's given us a gift for a reason. 
Verse 14, the second part of it says, God has done it so that people fear before him. Again, people fear before him. We, we continue to try to put God in a box, right? We, we, don't, we don't fully trust him. We want to trust ourselves. He doesn't do things the way we want to see them done. He doesn't do things the way we like to see them done. And I would say, you're right. You're actually preaching scripture, right? Isaiah 50, 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, right? He has an eternal viewpoint that we don't have and we will not have on this side of eternity. Based on the Bible, there's two situations that we'll have at the end of this life. One is we'll be able to say, whoa, now that I see it, I understand why I put my trust in, in Christ and that I trust that God was in full control. And there's a happy ending to that. There's the flip side of it that the, same, the people that didn't want to put their trust in, in Christ, they're going to say, whoa, now I see it. Can I go do it back? Can I go do it over again? It's not an option. At that time, as the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it'll be too late. This concept of, of living life backwards, we really should do that and really should think about that more. I mean, everything in, li- in life we, 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 we apply that to. When you think about a, a school project that you have, you, you look at the end result. What do you want to have at the end result? And you work your way back to the start. Right? If you're, you want to lose weight, you, you, you identify your, your goal weight and then you work your way back to where you currently are right now. But when it comes to life, we don't do that. We're so afraid of looking at the end of life because some of us are afraid of the judgment that's going to happen. And if, if that's the truth, then my, my, my pushback to you is you got the wrong view of judgment. God has given us a savior in Jesus Christ that the Bible says will wipe away all of our sins. And if you're scared and, and, and intimidated to even think about the judgment day because God's going to judge you based on every single thing that you did in your life, then you need to reevaluate that. And you need to put your full trust in Jesus Christ and repent from your sins. What about injustices, evil, all of that that's going on in the world? There's a good answer to that. And normally when you preach a sermon, you don't leave cliffhangers out like that, right? You talk about something and and you preach on it. But I'd be doing a disservice if I started to talk a little bit about that, the evil that goes on in the world because Solomon does just a masterful job of it in the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to leave that for next time. But for today, you got life-changing. Matter of fact, eternity-changing words in verses 1 through 15. I just want you to think about. I want you to really take your time on it. And when you're asking that question, why is life the way it is? Think about God. And think about heaven that he describes. And think about eternity that he describes where we don't have to feel that pain anymore. 
We don't have to struggle the way you're struggling in life right now. We must see that we're not in control. We must recognize that that life's going to have its ups and downs. It's going to have these seasons of life that we're going to go through. And there's nothing we can do about it. Other than understanding that God has an intention for them. That everybody's going to go through them. We must understand that, that one primary intention is to glorify him. And if we do that, then everything can change without us having to physically change much in our lives. God's given us a sneak peek of what eternity can look like if we just understand that and if we just grab hold of the viewpoint that God has and we apply that to our life today. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for this text, Lord. We thank you for just these seasons of life. I know they're tough, Lord. I know that these ups and downs that we all face, uh, whether we're in them right now or we're not, when they come, it's just they're hard to bear with. And I know that's part of your plan, Lord. Uh, it's not going to change. They're going to continue to be this way. And many, many of us uh, will, will continue to shake our fist at you. But there will be some that will finally ask the question of why. And they will draw them closer to you. And I, I pray that you would help us just to not be busy with life. Satan is, 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 is okay with us being busy. He appreciates us just being busy with life because it takes our focus off of you. But I pray that we'd have purpose with the things that we do in life, that we, we would do everything to glorify you, knowing that glorifying you has eternal value, more so than trying to glorify ourselves or glorify the flesh that has a limited access. Lord, and I pray that we would, we would just rest in you and know that the way that you're putting forth in front of us right now, this intention for life is the only way. There's many self-help books. There's many things that people will tell us. <clears throat> if you just do this, you'll be happy. But that all comes to an end, Lord. And we've seen that happen with Solomon. We've seen that happen in our own personal lives. And so I, I pray that we, we get off this hamster wheel um, if we've been on it in our lives and that we put our trust in Jesus Christ and know that the things that we do today have eternal value if we have that mindset, if we have that heart change. If not, then they're all vanity. And I pray that we'd slow down just to think about that a little bit more today. And moving forward, we continue to think about that and and the ups and downs we have in life to know that it's all part of your plan. And we thank you for just the opportunity to be able to read your word, even though it might be a tough text that doesn't sell well, Lord, it's, it's scripture and you've given it to us for a reason. And we're so thankful that we can read it, we can learn it, we can study it, um, and we can go apply it today. We give you all these thanks and ask all these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.